0: Join the Temple Emanuel clergy every week for Talmud class where Wes, Michelle, Elias, Eliza, and Dan discuss and debate a variety of Jewish issues and make connections between our sacred texts and the realities of our lives. Watch our live stream at 830 on Saturday mornings or listen to the podcast at your convenience all at templeemanuel.com. Last Shabbos, we gathered in the sanctuary to process the rising threat of anti-Semitism in our world. Officially, we were talking about the recently released report by Amnesty International, which condemned Israel in very intense ways, and in clearly anti-Semitic ways. But we were also thinking about Colleyville, about swastikas carved into gym mats and painted on bathroom stalls here in Newton Public Schools. We were also thinking about the rise in hate crimes perpetrated against Jews and about the increasingly vitriolic rhetoric against Israel worldwide. Last week we were processing together, what do we do in the face of this rise in anti-semitism? The undercurrent of our conversation was a level of pain, of deep pain that we all feel. How is it that after the Holocaust, how is it the world does not see our plight? How is it the world does not see us? Does not see our context, does not see our story. How are we so invisible? After Shabbos, I went home and opened up my newsfeed and was bombarded with stories about the Olympics. There were so many stories, stories about Simone Biles' courage and willingness to be vulnerable last year in Tokyo and how her willingness to speak out is now empowering athletes to share about their mental health. Stories about the role of fear in these competitions, stories about athletes overcoming adversity, stories about dreams dashed but hopefully not for long, There were so many stories about the Olympics, but the stories that weren't there, there were no stories about protests. There were no stories about people taking to the streets, demanding justice for the people of China. On that, the world was silent. And the juxtaposition of our conversation in the morning and my experience that night, I just kept thinking, The world is now doing to the Chinese what has been done so painfully to us. Since 2014, China has engaged in the systemic oppression of its Uyghur minority. They have targeted, incarcerated, tortured, and killed members of the Uyghur community, they have literally built concentration camps in the Xinjiang region where more than a million Uyghur civilians are tortured, forced to violate their religious practices, forced to abandon their cultural norms, their languages, their food, forced to live apart from their family, devoid of any connection to their cultural heritage, in solitude and confinement. The Chinese government has forcibly sterilized Uyghur women. They have sent minders of the Han majority into Uyghur homes to make sure that those who are not living in concentration camps cannot, even in the comfort of their own home, speak their own language, practice their own religion, do anything that is at all connected to their culture. Children have been torn away from their families, sent to boarding schools where they are forcibly converted, forced to sing patriotic songs and raise the flag all the while their hearts are breaking and parents are torn from their children disappearing into the system. This is well documented. There are stories that have been published by journalists, tribunals, even our own state department, attested to the veracity of these claims, the suffering of the Uyghur people. And yet, the world is silent and yet the world allows the Olympics to take place in Beijing and yet the world sits by while China parades a Uyghur civilian in the opening ceremonies and we say and do nothing. On Thursday night, Ellie Wiesel's son posted the following to Facebook. He wrote, I know now that we have failed my father in this regard. He did not fail us. He spoke of how he always felt he had to answer to the dead. Did he do enough? And yes, he did. He was there to speak up against atrocities in Darfur. Bosnia, Cambodia, Rwanda. He tried with everything he had to tell us. And all the words he spoke and wrote could not change the fact that five years after his death, one million people are reportedly in concentration camps because of their race and religion in the grip of a totalitarian regime. After the Holocaust, we said, never again. Never again will we watch people herded to slaughter like animals. Never again will we allow people to be targeted for their race, their religious identity, their culture. After the Holocaust, we said never again. But we've watched in our lifetimes as genocide has unfolded again and again and again. How is it that when it comes to fighting anti-semitism, we are clear. We have a clear, moral voice. We gather together. We come up with action plans. How is it that where the Uyghurs are concerned, we abdicate our moral clarity and swallow our voice? How is it that we, we who have endured concentration camps ourselves, we who bemoan the fact that the world turned a blind eye, how is it that we now turn aside? Last week, in the Daf Yomi cycle, we finished studying Masechet Moed Katan, A tractate that deals with pilgrimage festivals and how to celebrate. But Mo'ed Katan also contains deep, thoughtful instructions about what to do in the face of loss. How to support mourners. What does it mean to mourn, to grieve, and to exist in community together? By focusing on grief in the midst of gladness, the Gemara teaches us that no matter how good we have it, no matter how happy things seem, we cannot lose sight of the suffering in our midst. If we want people to be there with us when we grieve, then we have to see those who are grieving in our midst and we have to do what we can to comfort them. That Torah is true for pilgrimage festivals, and it's also very true for the Jewish community in the face of antisemitism. If we want people to be there with us, we cannot narrow our focus and only see the struggles that the Jewish community faces. As the Reverend Martin Luther, as the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Let's fight antisemitism by going out into the streets, protesting what is happening to Uyghurs. Let's fight antisemitism by making Judaism synonymous with those who stand up who are righteous. Let's fight antisemitism by standing with all those who are oppressed. When I was in rabbinical school, there was a horrible racist attack against a young man in a neighboring town. I remember reading the news reports and just feeling sick about it. The next day I went to class and we had a guest teacher at assume Justice Works Rabbi Levi Lauer. As we walked in the door, Rabbi Lauer greeted us. I remember this, he greeted every single one of us. And then he started the class and he said, did you see the news? Did you see what happened? And all of us said, yes, oh my God, I feel horrified by what happened. And Rabbi Lauer said, You saw what happened. What did you do about it? We all looked around, feeling so uncomfortable. Rabbi Lauer let the silence sit. And then he said, you mean to tell me that you have the chutzpah to show up here and learn Torah when you do not live by her precepts, get out." He meant it. We packed up our books and our belongings. We left and I remember we went to a friend's house and we all sat there trying to figure out what we could do, what could we possibly do. We can't be there in the street protecting against every act of racism. We don't have the power to control this. We don't have the power to do anything. In the end, we made a petition and we tried to lift up some conversation. Rabbi Lauer let us come back to class. Turned out he didn't need us to fix everything. He just couldn't allow us to stand by and watch things happen without doing anything. You cannot learn Torah when you do not live by her precepts. Which brings me back to the Olympics if ever there were a time to boycott the Olympics, that year is now. We can't change where the Olympics are being held, but we can communicate by how we direct our attention that we do not condone concentration camps. We do not condone genocide. But there's more. There is Uyghur community here in Boston here in Boston, there is a Uyghur school where they are trying to teach Uyghur culture and language. Please join me this week in writing letters to that community. We know how impactful those letters have been for our community when Whitefish was under attack, one of the most beautiful contributions people gave was by sending letters from across the country saying we see you, we are with you. And we as a Jewish community, we can see the Uyghur community in a way no one else can. We know what it is to survive. We know what it is to build. Again, we know what it is to thrive. So please write a letter of support and drop it off here at the synagogue at the end of next week. We will bring a package to the Uyghur community to let them know we are with them. After the Holocaust, we said, never again. Every time we see an act of anti-Semitism, we say, never again. We will not stand for this. We may have seen this again and again and again, but we can join together. We can stand together. We can raise our voices and join hands and make good on our promise. Never again on our watch. Please rise.